Welcome to How to Study the Bible class through Immersion Discipleship School. This is session two called How to Approach the Bible. And what we're looking at in this session is not just what the Bible is, which we've done, and how to study the Bible in detail through the passages and the text, which we're going to do. But in this session, we want to talk about how to approach it with our heart. Because to truly understand the Bible, it's not just important that we do approach it, it's how we approach it that really matters. Now, in a book called How to Study the Bible, Watchman Nee wrote, it is possible to have the right Bible study methods and still not understand the Bible at all. Therefore, we find this to be a very serious thing, that you can have all the right methods, you can know how to look at the text, you can understand the genre, you can understand the different kinds of texts that are in Scripture, you can understand the Old Covenant and the New Covenant, you can rightly divide it, but that doesn't necessarily mean that you and I are going to understand what it is that we're studying. The Bible is not just a book of words, it's a book of life. Jesus even said when he was talking, he said, my words are spirit and they are life. Therefore, we need God to give us revelation. As you remember from session one, we talked about how the Bible is inspired by the Holy Spirit through human authors. And if the Holy Spirit was the one who divinely orchestrated the scriptures to be, we really need the Holy Spirit to help us understand what was penned. And so we're looking at, in this session, how it is that we approach the scriptures. And in addition, there are many uh, practical helps that we want to pay attention to for the weeks to come. But I think there are some helpful things that we can say during this time, this discussion, that I think will help us. And the first one I want to tell you today is that we need to approach the Bible as a need. That would be our first point. And in order to study the Bible, God's word, God's voice, we must be convinced that we need His Word in our life. And I want to ask you that question. Are you convinced that you need the Bible in your life? Are you convinced that it's a need? A need would be similar to like air or water or food. You can only go so long without food. You can only go so long without water. And we need to see the Bible in the same way spiritually as we do food and water in the natural. We actually do need God's Word. You need His Word in your life. This is something we have to be very, very convinced of. And I have a few points that I want to bring up to why is it that we need the Bible? And the first one, according to Scripture, we need the Bible because it is God's Word. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 through 17 says, All Scripture is inspired by God and is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness. It is God's Word. It is inspired by God's Word, as we have discussed. But look at how it's, it's helpful and profitable for all of these things. If it's of God, if it's from God, then we need it because God created us. Number two is it reveals God. The Scriptures show us who God is, what God is like. It also shows us the plan of salvation, His interaction with humanity, His creation, His order, His principles, His wisdom. We need to understand these things, and it reveals who this God is that we're following. Jesus said that He was the visible representation of the invisible God. If that's the truth, then when we see Jesus, we see the Father, as Jesus Himself said. And the Bible is the place that reveals that to us and for us. I mean, we can go out into nature and we can look at people and we can make all kinds of 
observations about the universe and the stars, and we can come to a place of seeing that God is big and God is a creator, and we can affirm those kinds of things. But Scripture actually says those things. Scripture tells us the very truths that we might kind of discover or speculate based on what we observe. And we need Scripture because it reveals God. The third thing that we that we can say about needing, uh, approaching God's word as a need is it reveals God's plan. And I've said that a little bit already. It, re- it reveals the plan of God to redeem humanity. It's, it shows us that we were lost in sin. It shows us that God didn't allow us to stay lost in sin, that he sent his son Jesus Christ, according to John chapter 3, verse 16, that it was not his will, even according to Peter, that any would perish but that all would have everlasting life. That is what God's about. If you want to know God's will and his plan, his plan for you, his plan for me, it's revealed in scripture very plainly. Number four, it reveals our identity and purpose. Psalm 119, 105 says, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. A lamp shows you where you are. It shines a light right here, but a light shows you where you're going. It, 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 the bright light shines out in front of you and illuminates your path. That's what the psalmist said in, in Psalm 119, 105. He says, your word is a lamp to my feet. It shows me where I am and it's a light to my path. Shows me where I'm going. We need God's word to help us understand who we are, where we are, and where we need to be going. Number five is we need the Bible as a need because it instructs us. Romans chapter 15, verse four says, for whatever was written in earlier times, We're talking about the Old Testament. For whatever was written in earlier times was written for our instruction so that through perseverance and the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. You see two things there. My point number six is it gives hope. But the first one is it instructs us. The Apostle Paul told the Roman church that scripture wasn't necessarily written to you, but it was written for you, for your instruction. You see the dealings that God had with Israel. You see the principles that he laid out. This gives us instruction. It helps us to understand not only who we are, but the principles of God, the wisdom of God. And isn't it true that God is very principled? He gave us the Ten Commandments. Some of us are that way as well. I know I'm that way. We One, two, three. And God himself brought about his wisdom in a very structured way, a very principled way way and the scriptures instruct us they help us to understand it also as i said gives us hope the scriptures bring about hope in our lives to know what's coming and what's next what we are to expect for biblical hope has a lot to do with expectation that we're not just waiting for but we're waiting upon the lord and we know that he's going to do what he said he's going to do and our hope is not misplaced And nobody who has ever put their hope in the Lord will be put to shame according to Scripture. We approach the Bible as a need because we need hope. We need hope. And that's where we find our hope is written down in the Scriptures. Number seven is it equips us. I've already read to you 2 Timothy chapter 3 verse 16 and 17. And he says that it's inspired by God, profitable for teaching, reproof, correction, and training in righteousness so that the man of God might be equipped adequate for every good work. Who doesn't want to be adequate for every good work? Who doesn't want to be equipped? We all do. Who doesn't want to be taught or corrected or reproved or admonished, encouraged? The scripture does all of these things. It equips us. It gives us what we need. It helps us to know what we need to know. It's not just words on a page. These words are words of life. And when these words 
not only are read, but when they're believed, when there's faith attached to these words, we latch onto them and we all of a sudden begin to see the things that God wants in our lives manifest in our lives. We attach our faith to his words and we see that the equipping really does happen. And finally, it keeps us from sin. The classic Psalm 119 verse 11 says, Your word I have treasured in my heart that I might not sin against you. Many today debate over what sin is and how far is too far. Well, we need to know the scriptures because the scriptures call out what sin is. And they also call out the process by which you and I can live free from the sins of our past. Don't you love the writer of Hebrews talks about throw off every weight and the sins that so easily entangle. Well, we need to know what those weights are. There there are many today who would act as though some sin isn't sin, but the Bible calls it plainly as it is. That's why we need to be tethered to the scripture, united with the voice of the scripture. So therefore, we're going to see that our life isn't hidden from sin, but we are hiding the word of God in our heart to keep us from sin. And we're not going to be those that continue down that broad path, but rather taking the narrow path as we are people of the Scripture. We need the Bible, and we need to approach it as a need. We need air to breathe. We need food to eat. We need water to drink. But friends, we need the Scriptures to live spiritually and to thrive spiritually. The second point I want to make to you today is that we need to approach the Bible with a humble heart. There's a difference between reading the Bible and letting the Bible read you. And the difference is really where your heart is, the condition of your heart. I would say to you that the way that we interact with the Bible is the way that we interact with the Lord because the Bible is from God. It's His words. I've even heard people say that we're not to worship the Bible. Of course we're not to worship the Bible, but we worship the God who we believe through the Holy Spirit penned the scriptures. And if that's the case, then we need to come to the Bible with such a humble heart, knowing that this is our God who is communicating with us and to us. Our heart must be open to receive and to receive well, or the Bible's not going to change us. Often when you get instruction or when you're encouraged by somebody in a situation in life, they'll say, well, you just need to read the scriptures, or somebody will teach you that you need to have a daily life in the word. And when you start to do that, you start to read the Bible, and you don't really see anything happening right away. You're like, well, you told me to do this, and I'm doing this. I'm reading more of the Bible, and that's your suggestion. Just read more of the Bible, and nothing is changing. And I would say that it's not just reading the Bible, but it's having an open and humble heart when we read the Bible. The Bible is like a sword. It has to strike the parts of our life that need to change. That As we humble ourselves to God and His Word, we will find that change will come. There's a scripture, a passage that says, God gives grace to the humble. See, God gives grace, His empowering grace to live above where we once lived, to do what we once could not do, to be what we once could not be. He gives empowering grace, not something we could earn, it's not something that we deserve, but He gives that to us based on humility. He doesn't just give it to us, but He gives it to us as we humble ourselves. And one of the ways that we know what it is that we need or where we are is in Scripture and we read Scripture and it says this is the kind of life that God has called you to and this is the kind of life that God has called you away from and we read that and we come to the Lord and we say Lord humble my heart help me to receive this word that you so want me to have or it wouldn't have been written the way that it is for me to take up and so we come humbly and and honestly Mark chapter 10 verse 17 through 22 
there's a story of what we call the rich young ruler, and I think it's fitting for our conversation about approaching the Bible with a humble heart. And it says this in verse 17, as Jesus started on his way, a man ran up to him and fell on his knees before him. And he says, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good? Jesus answers, no one is good except God alone. You know the commandments, do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not give false testimony, do not defraud, honor your father and mother. Teacher, he declared, all of these I have kept since I was a boy. And Jesus looked at him and he loved him. I think that's a pretty amazing, uh, amazing passage right there. Jesus looked at him and he loved him. One thing you lack, Jesus said, go sell everything you have and give it to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come and follow me. At this, the man's face fell and he went away sad because he had great wealth. By sharing this passage, I am in fact equating Jesus's words in that time with the Bible in our time. We don't have the physical Jesus walking around with us today and we have his words. And so I'm equating those two. This young man came to Jesus with a sincere question, quite possibly based out of a sense of lack. He had a sense of need. There's something missing. Or maybe he was just looking for affirmation. He might have just been looking for Jesus, this rabbi, this miracle worker, to affirm who he was and where he was without him needing to change. He might have wanted that public validation from Jesus. But Jesus told him what he already knew at first. He said to him to do these very things that he said he had done since he was a boy. And I think that sometimes when we come to the Bible, we might have that similar heart. We might come to the Bible just to agree with what we already know. We might come to the Bible just to kind of help show us that we're living the way that we ought to live and really our reading of scriptures for somebody else. But that's not having a humble heart and that's not what necessarily you see in this guy according to his response. But isn't it interesting that Jesus tells him after the man affirming that he had been doing what Jesus told him to do. Jesus says, go sell all that you have and give it to the poor and then come follow me. And the young man went away sad because he didn't hear what he wanted to hear. But see, that's the place where we need to realize it's not enough to read the Bible to affirm what we are and where we are. We need to read the Bible so that we can grow beyond where we are. We need to read the Bible because the Bible reads us. It's the very word of life that causes us to grow into Christ-likeness and to do the works of Jesus, which we're called to. When we have a humble heart, we're going to find that that's the kind of life that we continue to grow into. And so we have to approach the Bible with a humble heart, unlike what we see in this man walking away sad. If he had a humble heart, he would have asked Jesus further. He would have inquired even more. What do you mean by this, Jesus? What is it? Why, why do I need to sell everything I have? I mean, I'm coming to you and I want to know what I must do to inherit eternal life. And you've said to do this. And I have a lot of stuff. So how is it that I need to do this? Or why is it that I need to do this? See, the man could have asked further questions because he was very sincere. But instead of asking anything, instead of pressing into Jesus and seeing what it is that he meant, he walked away sad. That probably means it's safe to assume that he wasn't going to do what Jesus said. And isn't it interesting that when you read scripture, that's exactly what will happen. The scriptures, sometimes the very words that you've read before, they will cut into your heart for the first time, or they will cut into your heart deeper than they ever have. And that's what it means to have a humble heart, is that the same passage that we've read over and over and over again, as this man said, I've done all these things, all of a sudden we might see the thing that we need to hear 
or see the thing we need to see, hear the thing we need to hear, and it cuts deeply and causes transformation. I don't think we're going to change if we just read the Bible. I think how we read the Bible also is what brings about change. We must come to the word humbly to receive, and our hearts need to be open to the Lord. In Isaiah chapter 66, verse 1 through 2, it's one of my favorite passages. This is what it says. Thus says the Lord, heaven is my throne and the earth is my footstool. Where then is a house that you could build for me? And where is the place that I might rest? For my hand made all of these things. Thus all these things came into being, declares the Lord. But to this one will I look, to him who is humble and contrite of spirit and who trembles at my word. Basically, through the prophet, God is saying, what kind of house will you build for me? I mean, where is it that I'm to lay my head? Don't you realize that I made all of these things? In other words, there's nothing that you can do to impress me. I made everything. There's nothing you could make that's going to impress me. But then he goes on to say, but to this one will I look. But to this one am I, am I, am I, and my, my gaze is set towards, to this one. This is what I'm actually excited about. This is the one that causes me to draw my gaze towards them. He says, one who is humble and contrite of spirit and trembles at, at my word. Somebody that's humble when the Lord speaks. As we approach the Bible, we humble ourselves because it's the Lord speaking to us. Maybe it wasn't written to us, but it certainly was written for us. And we will see that the Bible would bring transformation into our lives as we approach it the very way that the prophet Isaiah says through a word from the Lord. But to this one will I look, one who is humble and contrite of spirit and trembles at my word. Do you tremble at the word of God? Do you read the word of God in letting it read you? Do you read it in a way where it, it really can get into you and infect you and affect you? Do you do that? Only you can really answer that between you and God. Another point that I want to make in our session is we need to approach the Bible with faith. It's not just enough to approach it with a humble heart, but once we read it, we humble ourselves to it. We also have to have faith to believe it. There's a passage of scripture that I think illustrates this very well in Luke chapter 5, verse 1 through 11. It says this in verse 1, now it happened that while the crowd was pressing around Jesus and listening to the word of God, he was standing by the lake of Gennesaret. And he saw two boats lying at the edge of the lake, but the fishermen had gotten out of them and were washing their nets. And he got into one of the boats, which was Simon's, and he asked him to put out a little way from the land. And he sat down and began teaching the people from the boat. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep water and let down your nets for a catch. Simon answered and said, Master, we worked hard all night and caught nothing. You should highlight that. We caught nothing, but I will do as you say and let down the nets. When they had done this, they had enclosed a great quantity of fish and their nets began to break. So they signaled to their partners in the other boat for them to come and help them. And they came and filled the, both of the boats so that they began to sink. But when Simon Peter saw that, he fell down at, at Jesus' feet saying, go away from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. For amazement had seized him and all of his companions because of the catch of fish which they had taken. And so also were James and John, son of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, do not fear, from now on you will be catching men. And when they had brought their nets, uh, brought their boats to land, they left everything and they followed Jesus. Simon Peter was an experienced fisherman who had been out all night. He had been doing what he knew to do. 
This was something that he did day in and day out. Matter of fact, it was a family business. His friends were involved in this business. And when you're involved in a business, you not only know what you're doing, but you're the one that's teaching other people how to do it. And so here's Jesus, he's a rabbi, and he basically comes and gets into one of his boats and he says, push out into the deep a little bit as he's teaching the people. And Simon says, okay, and so he, he does that. And then Jesus essentially tells him, here's what I want you to do. I want you to put out your nets onto this side. And Simon's thinking probably in his mind, why would I do that? I've been out all night. And in fact, the, the way you catch fish is not at the time where Jesus was telling him to do this. It's much earlier, which is why they had been fishing all night even since 4 a.m. And so they've been out all night. They haven't caught anything. They're very discouraged. At this point, they're probably just enamored with the rabbi that's in their boat. And then all of a sudden, the rabbi turns fishermen on him and says, I want you to put out your nets onto this side. And he says, we've been fishing all night, but because you say it, I will do it. There's faith all of a sudden. See, faith isn't just his perfect belief that what Jesus said to do would somehow bring a, a lot of fish. Faith was the fact that he did it, and he didn't resist Jesus, that he yielded himself to do what a rabbi told him to do. It wasn't a fisherman, what a rabbi told him to do. And see, that's the thing, is, is that in a situation where it would just be easier for him to say, nothing's going to happen, so I'm not going to do this. You don't know what you're talking about. He put faith to the words that Jesus gave him. And when he did that, he saw fish to the point where his nets begin to break and then two boats, not just one boat, but two boats begin to sink. Jesus told him to put out in the deep of the water and Simon first responds with reality, but secondarily he responds with faith. That's, that's the response that we also need to have as we approach the Bible. The Bible calls us higher than where we stand and farther than where we've gone and beyond what we can do. That's what faith is all about. Faith, faith in God's word calls us higher, it calls us farther, and it calls us beyond. And this is what we need to have as we approach God's word. Not just reading it, not just reading it with a humble heart, realizing, well, you know, I humble myself to the word, and I know it's the word, and the word's right, and I'm wrong, but also with faith to believe that these things are going to happen. If the Bible says that we're the righteousness of God in Christ, we need to believe it. If the Bible says that we're called to disciple the nations. The Bible calls us to evangelize people. The Bible says that we have spiritual gifts. The Bible calls us into all these places. It says we're part to be part of a local church. These are the things that we need to follow, to serve one another, to love one another, to forgive one another. We need to, even though it's difficult or even though it hasn't happened yet, we still need to have faith in what the Word says. We have to approach the Bible not just as a devotional, but as a book that brings life and transformation and our faith in what it says matters. So we approach the Bible with faith. Now, I think it's important to also realize that there are reasons why we don't come to the Bible. There's reasons why we don't read the Bible at all. And I think there, it's just, I think it's important for us to bring that up. And I want to give you like some reasons. Maybe we call them excuses of, of what it is that we say when it comes to not reading the Bible. Number one is we say, I don't have time. Average American watches one to two hours of television. Many watch more. I mean, I can't even imagine what Netflix has done to all of us in all of the sessions and seasons and, and binges that we go on. But the average American watches almost two hours of television a day. And so we have this idea that we don't have time. And whether you're a, a single parent or you're a stay-at-home mom or you're a full-time business person, you're in the working world, male, female, children, no children, married, not married, doesn't matter. I, I've heard this excuse across the board, made this excuse myself. I don't have time. 
The fact is, is that we make time for the things that are important in our life. We prioritize what matters to us. So we have time for what matters to us. If the Bible is something that we need, we're going to make time to read the Bible. See, we, we all make time for food, even if it's on the go. We make time for it because we need it. And we need to approach the Bible the same way. But that's a normal excuse or reason that we don't read the Bible. And it is, in fact, an excuse. Number two is I'm not a reader. The average American reads 3,000 notices, 36 magazines, 100 newspapers per year. However, we only read one to three books per year. And that's at best. A lot of people don't read books. But I think that's also something that we need to look at differently, that we've started to look at the Bible as just another book. It's not a book of life. It's not a need. It's not God's instruction manual. It's not inspired of the Lord. We start to look at the Bible as a chore, as another book that we should get around to reading and be a really good idea. It's not that. It's more than that. It's a book that changes our life. It's words from God for us. Like it says in Romans chapter 15, we've read it already. But it says that these words were written for our instruction. They were sealed for us. They were meant for us. They're made for us. And so it's not just something that we can succumb to in saying, I'm not a reader. You might not be a reader, but that doesn't mean you can't read it. You might not be somebody that likes to read books, but this is more than a book. You may not have read since you were in school, but now's the time for you to pick up the scriptures and have your life transformed. The third reason or excuse that we have when it comes to not reading the Bible is, I don't get it. I don't get it. I hear people say this. I don't get what it says. I don't get what it means. I don't understand it. To which I would say, you can get it if you want to. If you don't want to, you won't. If you've read the Bible a few times and it didn't make sense to you, well, the fact is, is that you have to keep reading it and you have to learn how to understand it. It is an old book. These are ancient manuscripts. These were written in time and history. There is different genres of, of literature that we're going to talk about over the next several weeks. But that's not an excuse for not digging in. I mean, if you want to dig, you can dig. If you want to learn, you can learn. If you want to know, you can know. The fact is, is that you have to put your money where your mouth is and you have to put your energy behind the thing that you want. If you want to know the Bible, you'll know the Bible. If you don't want to know the Bible, you won't know the Bible. That's as simple as that. I mean, there's so many things that in life that we go after and spend our time and energy toward that really don't equal much in the end. This is one of those things that will bring a lot of fruit and transformation into our lives. I suppose I'm trying to convince you of that if you're not already convinced. But to say that you don't get it just simply means that's where you are. It's not where you can be. It's not where you may want to be. And I would suggest obviously to you that it isn't where you want to stay. Number four is, I don't know where to begin. I don't know where to begin. It's a very similar question as the last one, or a similar statement at least. I don't know where to begin. Well, you begin in the New Testament. You begin with Jesus. You begin in the book of John. You begin in Matthew. But you've just got to begin and keep reading. Read day in and day out. Read four chapters a day. It doesn't take very long to get that far. I mean, maybe 11 minutes a day and you could read the whole Bible in a year. Just 11 minutes a day. That's a normal pace of reading. You don't have to read fast. If you just read 11 minutes a day, whole Bible in one year. You're not going to get it until you familiarize familiarize yourself with Scripture. You have to read it and read it again. You have to read it and read it again. And as you do that, you're going to start to become familiar with the stories and the structure and the overall message from Genesis to Revelation. This is something that we will get as we invest more time and energy into understanding it. Number five is the Bible is, is boring. I've heard this a lot. The Bible is boring. 
And I would say the Bible is boring for many reasons to some people. And number one is that we don't have much imagination. And a lot of people today, are, it's, there's, we're visually stimulated. We're a visual-based society with videos and movies and all of this coming out more and more and more, reality television and, and all of that. We've moved away from a word-based society. There's still word-based societies around, but what you find is 30 years ago, we didn't have the kind of television that we have today. We didn't, we didn't have all of that. It was either we do stuff with our hands or we read books. And in order to read books and have them come alive, we had to have this a great imagination, and I think we need to cultivate our imagination. The Bible's not boring. Our imagination is boring. When we read these stories, we need to envision what it is that these stories are really saying. As Jesus is walking along the shore, and he walks up to two guys who are basically mending their nets because they're fishermen, and he says, hey, come and follow me. I mean, we need to play those things out in our mind. We need to write them down and make observations of how strange that would have been. And Jesus did things differently than normal rabbis of his day. When Jesus walked into the temple and essentially cleansed the temple of the money changers and those that were marketeering and profiteering, when Jesus walks into the temple, cleanses the temple, turns over the money changers' tables, and he basically shoes out all of the people that are trying to make a profit, and the priests were the ones that were in charge of this. I think it's Matthew chapter 21. You need to think through what did that look like and use your imagination to see it for what it was instead of just skip over it like it's a story that didn't really happen. We need to bring to life the stories of Scripture and ask the Holy Spirit to infuse us with a greater imagination than often what we succumb to in our visual-based society. We need to go back to being a word-based society as it pertains to the, word, to the Word at least. Whether or not you're a book reader, it doesn't really matter. But this is not just a book is what I'm saying. And so you, you may not read any other books in your life, but this is simply not a book. And so when we say, well, it's boring, I, I would say that sometimes we're too overstimulated with all of the stuff coming at us, streaming towards us, and we need to go back to a place where we play out in our minds and visualize what Scripture is actually teaching us, telling us, because this book matters. This book matters. Number six is, I don't see how it applies to my life. Now, just the simple way is for me to say is you don't. That's right. You don't see how it applies to your life, but you can and you should because it does apply to your life. Now, some of the principles that are there aren't necessarily for us. Those things were written to people in time and history, but the principles may remain the same and many often are. And Paul, Paul said this to one of his disciples. He said, you need to rightly divide the word of truth. So what he meant by that is some things apply to them and some things apply to us. We want to know which is which. And the only way that we can do that and apply the Bible to our life is to actually discover, is to dig deeply and to rightly divide the word so that we can apply the right parts of scripture to the life that we live in the 21st century. The last point I want to make in what hinders us maybe from coming to scripture and reading it and studying it is this comment that I hear, I already read it. Now, there are many other comments, but I hear this, I've already read it. I remember one time my son, when he had gone through the whole Bible, I led my family all the way through Scripture, and we would read every day, and he said, well, the, this was one day he didn't want to read. He didn't want to read the Bible today. And he says to me, well, Dad, I've already read the Bible. Why should I keep reading it? And, and that, that was his point. In his mind, it was a book. In his mind, he had already read this book. I want to move on to other books or I want to do something else. I don't find this valuable anymore. And as a young person, that's how he saw that. And I would say to all of us, if we, if we have this idea that we've already read it, 
See, it's not just something that we read, it's that we want to understand it. We want to embody it. We want to live it out and then we want to teach it to the next generation. That really is our process. I don't only want to read it, but I want to embody it. I want to live it out. And then I want to communicate it to the next generation. And truthfully, I mean, I've heard this said before, you probably have as well, but you've never really learned something until you've taught it. And maybe that's not fully true, but it definitely carries truth. That we're not just to know. Jesus didn't say make disciples and teach them to know everything I commanded you. He said teach them to obey it. Teach them to live it out. We want to teach the next generation to live out scripture. And that's going to require from us more than just reading it. So maybe you've already read it. And I've read it many, many, many times. But I'm always learning new things. And so it's not an excuse to get out of reading scripture or get out of studying it. In fact, I look at it quite a bit differently. These are excuses. These are enemies to us. They're enemies to our spiritual growth. If, if you've ever said these comments, if you've ever thought these things, that's common, that's normal. But what we want to realize is these are enemies to our growth. These are not things that are helping us. They're not for us. They're not comments that we want to reiterate and we don't want to cultivate them. They're keeping us from view, viewing the Bible as a need and they reveal a wrong view of scripture, which we're laying out very clearly and very carefully. We don't want to see Scripture as something that's not important. We don't want to see Scripture as something that we need it when maybe we're in a pinch or maybe when we really don't understand a situation, then we'll study it. We want to study it consistently. We want to read it consistently. And that as we come into situations and circumstances of life, we're already cultivating a heart with faith built on the very words of God from God for us. We approach the Bible the way we approach the Lord. Let's pray for God to give us a hunger for his word in all that it is and all that it will bring and agree with the word that the prophet Isaiah brought about. And he said it like this, for this one will I look to him who is humble, contrite, and who trembles at my word. My prayer for you, my prayer for me, is that we're a people that tremble at the word of God, that we're not simply coming to learn how to study these words, these ancient words, but we're coming with humble hearts. We're coming with this sense of need. We're coming with faith-filled hearts because we believe what the word says, even above our own circumstances, above our own supposed reality, that these things will manifest in our lives. That's my prayer, that we would tremble at his word because we need his word. And that's what I pray for you today. That's what I pray for us. So Father, I thank you for your word I thank you for what your word provides for us. I thank you for what your word does to us. And God, I pray for my friends. I pray for myself. I pray that your word would be at this place of need in my life, that I would see it the right way. I need your word. Your word transforms my soul. It gives light to my eyes and it makes me wise, as the psalmist said. It helps me to walk with you faithfully. It helps me to walk with you fruitfully. And I thank you for the word. Help me to have a humble heart. Help us to have faith in our hearts as we read it. That faith would increase the more it is that we read it. And I thank you, Lord, for this session. I pray that you would touch us, fill us, and help us to walk with you and to humble ourselves to your word. In Jesus' name, amen. I look forward to the next class with you. Mm -hmm.